Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer K. Hill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Regarding Consciousness. I am Jennifer Cahill, the CEO of OptiMatch and also host of this show, here to bring you wonderful thought leaders, scientists, doctors, and luminaries from around the world sharing their perspective on consciousness and how we can all bring a little bit more consciousness to our lives. Today, I want to dedicate this special show to a dear friend of mine who I'm going to tear up here, who's been on the show before, Dr. Mark Golston. I just found out yesterday before recording this show that he had passed on. We had known he was in the hospital and was recovering from a bone marrow transplant. And I wanted to dedicate this show in particular to Mark because he introduced me to the incredible gentleman who I have the honor of sharing with you today, Dr. Antoine Ede. And Mark, to the very end, was busy connecting Antoine and I only a few weeks ago. So he was always out there, always giving. And I just want to dedicate this episode and everything Antoine and I shared to the memory of our mutual dear friend, Mark, who has passed. So Antoine, thank you for being here today. You yourself are an incredible thought leader. You are the founder of Meet Yourself as well as a consultant with a background in neuroscience and behavioral genetics, I believe it is. So I'm so excited to talk to you today and to share your wisdom that Mark was very intentional in wanting us to connect. So clearly we're meant to be here together today. Absolutely. Thank you, Jennifer. I share the same feelings towards Mark just two weeks before he passed away, before his operation, actually, we met three times. And the third time I asked him, why would you want to spend this much time talking to people now? And his answer was, I want to, um, share what I know with more and more people. And it's as if he, he was, he was probably seeing the, uh, that this might be the end of, uh, the tunnel for him and and wants to give his knowledge to as many people as possible. I will forever be grateful for the conversations we had and for the fact that he introduced me to you. You are an amazing person and I respect what you do. Thank you, Antoine. I respect you too. And you know, what a great gift. May we all take a page out of Mark's book and to our last breath, may we be out there connecting people, sharing our wisdom and leaving our legacy and whatever that looks like. For those of you who want to learn more about Dr. Mark Golston, who just passed on, you can find actually some of his last talks that he gave in a series on YouTube called I'm Dying to Tell You. So in the last few months of his life, that was his joy was to share with people, I'm dying to tell you how rare that we get to hear from somebody on their journey of death and dying and to have them share so candidly. So if you are not familiar with him or his work, we definitely encourage you to check that out. And one of the reasons I think that Mark was so adamant that Antoine and I connect is that Antoine and I have very parallel paths in what we're both passionate about in the world, which is helping to create a world where human beings understand and know themselves and one another. So Antoine, maybe share a little bit in our first conversation we had a month or so ago about what led you to develop Meet Yourself. Yes, of course. 
I think most of the conflict in the world is because people put too much energy into trying to bring others into understanding them instead of putting an equal effort to understand others. The other reason is that we, in most cases, do not understand uh, our, ourselves. We're born with all these superstitions about things that we can and we cannot do. And these become beliefs and we live with them. We, we live with them for the rest of our lives and we try to grow out of them. They might not even exist. Most of us are raised to look mostly into our weaknesses, our gaps, the things that are missing that we need to keep developing. The great growth mindset that we all talk about, which is great. This is what moves the world forward. But it's mainly focused on, let's look at what you're not good at and see if you can be better at it. Mm -hmm. What is missing is probably looking at what we are good at, what we're born with. We all have talents. We all have great potential at something, but we're not always, we haven't always learned to look into this and see whether we can develop that and live in alignment with that. And people who do find their purpose in life. They live happier. They reach uh, great performance at what they do. They become stars at what they do because they found that thing that they were born with and then they've developed it. And this is what I have been doing and uh, telling people is how about we continue um, working on whatever the, our environment needs us to work on, but at the same time, look at the beauty and the uniqueness of each one of us and see if we can put some effort there as well. And in parallel, do the same with to other people that we are, that we deal with. Each one of them also has beauty inside them. How much do we know about the people we deal with? Mm, I think it's so beautiful. That's one of the many reasons that I felt very aligned with you when we first spoke, Antoine, is much like you, my purpose, I feel, is to reverse the accidental adversarial relationships between human beings. And that begins with understanding ourselves. And instead of making ourselves wrong, I feel like from childhood, it's, oh, you got a C minus or a D or an F in math. Therefore, you need to work 10 times harder at that. Or vice versa, maybe you got an A in English. Oh, you should do that. But really, what are our natural hidden proclivities and talents and motivators that make us who we are as human beings? And what if rather than shaming ourselves and beating ourselves up for all the things we're not as good at that we should be, what if we uplifted ourselves and those around us by being inspired by the things we are naturally gifted with? So I very much resonate with that, Antoine, and would love for you to share a little bit about how you're going about this from your own perspective of helping your helping the people at Meet Yourself do this, helping the individuals in your own life and on your own team do this. Tell us a little bit more about that. Definitely. So basically what makes uh, a personality is is a mixture of three factors. It's the talents and the potentials we inherit through our genetics. 
some of us can have a musical ear, for instance, and be able to play music before we even properly learn to read music. That's talent. Mm. There's also the way our brains are wired after years of life and learning. And that hardwiring of the brain will lead to certain thinking inclinations where we feel more comfortable with certain thinking than other way of thinking. And there's also everything that we learn in terms of habits, in terms of skills, competencies, and behaviors. We put these together and you come up with a person who is behaving in different social contexts. We're not our genetics alone. And we are not our learning alone. We are a mix of these three. And these three make two categories. They make our motivators, which come from our thinking and from our innate or genetics. And in parallel, our competencies or everything we learned in life. Put them together. And you see some data that explains that nature and nurture debate. It's never nature or nurture. It's always nature and nurture. We can single out one of them and explain a human being through one of these dimensions. It's how they interact together. And this presents different scenarios with each one of us. We're born with certain predispositions. During our upbringing, we start either our, our upbringing either starts supporting this nature or moving us away from our nature. And then later on in life, the more we learn, will either take us further away or help us find where our nature is. And we're the closest to our nature when we are very young. And again, when we are much older in life, that's when we've tried so many things. And then this is why we say you find your purpose later on in life. Mm. Your purpose is always something that aligns with who you really are. And that's in your genetics. That's in your thinking. So what I do, what I've been doing is uh, addressing these three different perspectives through di three different scientific assessments, starting with a DNA test that uh, analyzes 54 genetic predispositions related to behaviors and personality. Then another neuroscience-based assessment that measures the thinking preferences. And another psychometric assessment that measures acquired skills and behaviors. So we built an, uh, an algorithm and a software that takes these scores from the, these different assessments, maps them together, and comes up with a brilliant personality report that reveals the potential and the strengths in each one of us. I love that. So what inspired you? As you and I talked about this offline, what we do at OptiMatch is we're looking at one of the three elements of that. We're focused on the motivating factors part. And what I found so intriguing about what it is that you're doing, Antoine, is how did you come to think to tie in the genetic element of that in addition to the personality and the behavior and the motivating factors? It's very simply, it's because nothing else can measure motivators. 
every time you're asking a person a question, it has the psychological bias of the respondent. It's what they know about themselves, their own perception of themselves, or what they hope to become. That's always biased. But with genetics, there's, there are no biases. It's the chemical predisposition towards certain behaviors that are revealed at 100% accuracy. And, and remember, you and I spoke about this a little bit during our first call that we had a while back. Talk to me, because I know, of course, we've had Bruce Lipton and many other people on here. I think Deepak and Don and I did an episode around it as well about epigenetics and the role that epigenetics role uh, play in this. So what what percentage of it is our genes, like the Human Genome Project, of course, it was done about 20 years ago, and then you tie in epigenetics. What percentage of it is dictated by genes versus our, I, I don't know, Bruce says turned on, turned off. I would love your wisdom on that from a science standpoint. Yeah. So basically, genetics influence our physical characteristics almost totally but they influence our personality traits anywhere from 30 to 70%. Really? Okay. So it depends on the trait. Social, sociability, for instance, is 50% genetically influenced. So different personality traits have different heritability levels and different genetic influence. So there's no general rule when it comes to this is how much genetics influence personality. It depends on the specific trait or behavior that we are analyzing. But in general, it varies between 30 and 70%, which is not a little amount. It's worth considering, and it plays a big role in some situations. Okay, so let's backtrack and talk social ability for a moment. Let's imagine that I'm somebody who knows myself as an introvert, right? And maybe genetically it shows that I'm predisposed to be an introvert because of my genetics. Though let's say that I have a dream to be a world-famous speaker. Does that mean that I give up on the dream? What does the genetics then tell us? Does it mean that we stop doing the thing that's hard for us because it's not part of our purpose? How do you interpret the results? If you were to give somebody their results genetically, it says X, how does then that help further hinder or redirect the path that we then select? Okay, that's an excellent, that's an excellent example. Introversion and extroversion are two behavioral aspects of personality. These are learned behaviors. You become introverted, you're not born introvert. However, you are born with a predisposition towards confidence, towards optimism, towards altruism, towards communication, towards different aspects that if you mix them together, can influence extroversion or introversion. Let me give you, let me give you an example. Please, this is fascinating. <laughs> when you say, I really enjoy being around other people, I want to be around other people. But once you're around other people, you're shy, you lack confidence, and you don't know how to communicate. What does that mean? It means that you probably have the necessary innate motivators towards being social. However, life has not taught you the skills to be sociable, which is the behavioral aspect of social. 
Sociability is an acquired trait that includes confidence, assertiveness, communication, etc. It's a mix of different personality traits. And these can be learned. Life, life works in such a funny way. It happens almost every time I go through the genetic profile of people, of the participants. When they look at their genetic scores, their immediate reaction is, oh, I never thought I was this confident, or I never thought I was this social. And you can see that almost every single time people label themselves in terms of what they are good at or not good at. This is how we, our, our brains are trained to look at ourselves in the mirror. Mm. However, it's because the potential is hidden. It might have been kept dormant during childhood. Very simply, a strong role model in the family or a very demanding parent or a, a parent that is constantly trying to dictate how you need to be in life can lead to you being someone who's totally not yourself for the rest of your life. Mm. So this is how psychology works with behavioral genetics. It's that interesting dynamic that happens between both. And only the lucky ones get to really explore their nature. Okay. So I, I'm fascinated. <laughs> I want to delve in. I have so many questions for you. I'm going to backtrack and make sure I'm going to repeat back to you to be sure that myself and our audience and people understand what's happening thus far. To paraphrase, to the same question I asked earlier about epigenetics being the idea that our genes can be turned on or off, theoretically, you probably have a better scientific explanation of this based on our environment, which ties in the nature versus nurture question. So let's say hypothetically that I am somebody who is disposed genetically to be confident, but maybe you grew up in a verbally abusive household or you're told you're not good enough or whatever it is then you might, for example, despite having a natural proclivity towards confidence from an epigenetic standpoint, that gene is not activated because of the fact that you're told you're not good enough and your environment then suppresses that gene being made manifest. Am I, am I following you so far? That's absolutely correct. Yes. Okay. So here, I'm going to throw you a curveball here, Antoine. Stay with me on this. Where does Please. consciousness fall in? What role does our consciousness play or does it play a role in our genetics, in our behaviors, and in our motivators? It plays a very important role. Self-awareness and consciousness can reverse that equation. Hmm. Most of us, are, almost all of us, are actually coping in our own way. Coping with emotional injury, coping with trauma, coping with the emotional pain that we've experienced through different types of relationships. But we cope differently. Some of us cope by totally denying, forgetting, and moving on. Some by resisting, some by seriously reflecting on the source of what happened and making the right, the proper changes, etc. 
And this is what leads to people interpreting situations differently. 40, 40 kids in class, same tutor, but each one of them gets a different grade on the quiz. We have different cognitive abilities. We have different levels of consciousness and self-awareness that lead to interpreting life situations differently. And this will lead to different coping mechanisms. Self-awareness absolutely can lead to a better understanding of who we are and why things happen. But that's only half of the equation. The other half is, after knowing, what do I do? What kind of a, a change in behavior would that lead to? This is where learning, the ability to learn, um, takes place a role. Uh, let me give you an example. Oxytocin is uh, called the love trust hormone. And its basic function is it goes into the breast milk uh, of a pregnant woman after she delivers uh, to the infant and it creates the, that oxytocin creates the bond with the infant, between the infant and the mother. And it helps the infant accept the source of food instinctively. We are all born with high levels of oxytocin. We are born as trusting beings. Mm. A child trusts so much that they see fire and they put their finger in the fire. They, the toddler trusts so much that they even trust void. They keep crawling until they reach the balcony and probably fall off. That's how trusting we are. But luckily we have this other mechanism in our brain, which are the amygdalas, these almond shaped devices that retain the pain that we experience through different, different experiences. And these experiences are physical pain or emotional pain. Pain you feel after being in a bad relationship. It's your brain telling you that this was painful. You need to change the course of action if you don't want to go through the same pain again. You know that people cope after breakups differently. Mm. Some deny totally what happened. You talk to your friend and it's always the, it's always her ex's fault. It's never a reflection on what she, what he has done. That's the one way of coping is let me deny, let me be the victim, blame it on others. And that's fine. This is one way of healing. But it's not one way of growing because to grow, you need to reflect on what really happened. And this needs to lead to a change in action. So pain is there to signal that what happened is dangerous and you need to make a change. And self-awareness is that element that will make that transition. The higher the self-awareness, the more refle reflection you do. And the better this will lead, this should lead to a change in future action. Mm. 
I, I love that. I'm going to piggyback on what you're saying here and pick your brain on something a little further, Antoine. So to to piggyback on what you're saying is that we can't shift any of the old pain's own wounds unless we can first bring our awareness to it. If we're not aware of it, then we're unconscious to it. And then we don't have the remedy or the ability then to shift our actions, shift our choices until first we become consciously aware. Am I hearing you correct on that? Yeah. Otherwise, we'll be suppressing it. We'll be giving it morphine. Okay. And morphine is not actually a remedy. It's just numbing the pain. And so I'm going to, I only know of one method. There are many. Actually, I take it back. There's EFT, emotional freedom technique. There's another technique I've learned called Psych K, where you cross one hand over the other and do this to reprogram limiting beliefs. So let's imagine I'm 42, soon to be 43 years old. Many of our listeners might be in their 20s, 40s, 70s, 80s, it runs the gamut. How do we then reprogram our brains? Let's say we we do meet yourself and we find out, okay, genetically I'm predisposed to confidence, yet my whole life I was put down by my romantic partners, by my business partners, and by my parents. And then now I know, wait, I could be confident yet I have this whole history. I have this amygdala that is storing the data that says, not true, warning, not true. We will not survive this. It is dangerous for you to believe that because look what's happened in the past. So how do we reprogram then to make it in alignment so that we can take the necessary steps to live our purpose? I love the question. Thank you. Um, Awareness is a big part of, is the first step. So with meet yourself, it, what happens is you can see it. You can see it through real data and real metrics, the scientific metrics that are, your genetics are saying something to you, which we cannot deny. And this is automatically pushing a lot of reflection. From reflection, we would come up with a beautiful analysis on why did this happen? What are the different possibilities why this happened? There is some learning and more awareness there. And a list of new options. Now that you found out great new things about yourself that you did not think that you had, because you were looking at yourself in the mirror of your competencies only, then you have options to develop these. And this is where the application behind Meet Yourself can actually highlight these and tell you, hey, you've got some unexplored potential there and you've got some talent there. Are you interested in developing yourself in these areas? And it would guide you through your development journey. It's a personalized development journey for each participant that is based on their personality scores. Mm, What I'm thinking as you're sharing that, Antoine, is that I see in my mind's eye one of us going to the gym. Let's say that we have this confidence muscle that's been atrophying because we have a story that we're not confident. And then one day I come along and say, actually, your confidence muscle is quite strong. You're just not using it enough. And then, example, your app would then say, hey, begin to use these exercises to boost or enhance your confidence. And the same way you would build a tricep or a bicep, so too would you build your confidence muscle. Absolutely. And I I love this point, Jennifer, because we focus a lot on how we're going to fix things. 
but we most of the time we're fixing the wrong problem. <laughs> True story. This is why the efficiency of these tools is not always high. It's always it's only high when you're actually dealing with the real problem. People go to courses, they spend fortunes on courses, and they come back feeling that, yeah, I've learned something new, but it hasn't really been created this big change. Because maybe this is not addressing the real situation. So Meet Yourself is doing that part. It's helping you reflect on what is going on. And once you know that, I would never recommend any development tool because any development in this case should work because the, you're in the scope, in the right scope. Mm. And there are so many different great tools out there that can help. Brilliant. I think it's a great lesson for us all, Antoine, and what apropos timing as we head into early 2024 that we begin to look at ourselves this is the time of year where we say, wow, if I had it all my way, if I had magic fairy dust, who would I want to be this year? Would I want to be radiant, playful, engaging, yes. confident, rich? What would it look like? And I think that this is a great question and a way to scientifically validate, yes, actually, you could be. So Antoine, tell our listeners and our viewers, where could people find out more about Meet Yourself if they wanted to learn more about the projects that you're working on around it or to find out how to participate? We are officially launching in Q1 this year, so in the next few weeks. In the meantime, it's meetyourself.me and meet yourself on LinkedIn. And otherwise, connect with me, Dr. Antoine E. on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I answer questions immediately and I get a lot of questions. And I've got a surprise that I'm going to be announcing through your platform. I am launching in the next few days a chat bot that has been taught more than 370,000 words from me that thinks and speaks like me, that is going to be put out there to answer all your questions related to personality. So you can ask any question about yourself or any other person, and it will feel like you are talking to me 24 seven. That's fantastic. Antoine, where do people go to sign up for it and learn about that? There's gonna, there's going to be a button to access that on my LinkedIn profile. Amazing. I, you got to love it. Today, nowadays, I remember when Deepak started doing that years ago of like Ask Deepak. And it's incredible that so many of us can now create avatars of ourselves and to be able to be everything yeah. to everyone at all times. It's a great technology. It's ChatGPT based, but trained to think like me, to use the same science behind Meet Yourself. And what I want really is to help people better understand themselves, better appreciate who they are, and to eventually live within their strengths and their potential instead of living to fix their weaknesses. And also for people to better understand each other. I don't know how much time we still have, but I'd like to talk about an interesting concept if we have time. Yeah, please go ahead. 
Freud speaks about the narcissism of small differences. Have you heard of it? No, I can't say I have. It's such an interesting concept. In, in small tribes, groups of people who, are, who look alike or have shared values, habits, or ways of living, you see this narcissism of small differences developing very rapidly in these groups. And what this means is that when we look at someone else that is within, inside our group, we have certain expectations of behavior from them that need to be very similar to ours. Mm -hmm. And we start noticing these small differences in them that are not like us. And these become magnified. When you know someone for a long time, you now talk about your shoes and you now talk about your, the way they're masticating the food and all those small things that you don't notice with a stranger that you met for the first time. And inside organizations and teams, a lot of the, these conflicts are based on this narcissism of small differences. Because there are not, there aren't major differences anymore. You're all part of the same group. You share the same vision. You're working towards the same objectives, but now you're arguing on these small little things that make you different. And these become so big sometimes that they create big conflicts. What I'm aiming to do through this is to also help people overcome these small differences by helping them focus more on appreciating these differences in each other. Because I want them to see the value in these differences. Yes, I agree, concur wholeheartedly with, uh, wholeheartedly with you, Antoine. You remind me of when we first launched OptiMatch. We're doing it, what you're doing, a different way, just applying it, looking at psychometric testing for motivating factors. And we were referred to a Web3 company here in Lisbon. And there was friction. The guys had just raised a lot of money and they had a team of about 10 people. And when we analyzed what people were motivated by, their motivating factors were wildly different in some cases. And person A, who didn't know this, it wasn't something at a conscious level that they ever realized, but person A might have been totally motivated, reverse motivating factors from person B. And what that caused to happen, Antoine, is friction in the workplace. People were judging yeah. their they thought that yes. the other people were being stubborn or obstinate. And then the moment we showed them the numbers and we said, no, it's like you're speaking apple while another person's speaking orange. And if you can understand that and cultivate compassion, that you might have these this narcissism, as you call it, of small differences, that, Antoine, is what I'm up to and you're up to as far as changing the world, is our dream in working with these executives just twice, we were able to turn the company around where there was wild friction. Everybody was inviting to bringing awareness to these small differences, compassion. And then all of a sudden team members were able to work cohesively together. Yeah. Love it. Yes. And um, <laughs> congratulations for all the impact you're leaving. I love how you and I, it just, we recently met, but it feels like we have very similar thinking in many ways or similar vision. We might go about it a bit differently sometimes, but I think we are onto the same impact that we want to leave in this world. 
Yes, that's why um, I, as soon as I learned about what you were doing, Antoine, I said, you know what, I want to have you on the show because I said, I love that you're bringing in the behavioral genetic aspect, which my brain couldn't even dream of coming up with something like that. So I love that we're doing it at this from so many different angles. And yet our end goal is the same. How do we bring human beings closer together and allow more people to live lives that they love? And I think at the core, that's what you and I are both committed to. Yes, yes. Beautiful, my friend. Dr. Antoine Eid has been here with us today, founder of meetyourself.me, which is launching this quarter. So please do check out what they're doing. I know I'm going to be a participant in it and definitely look forward to seeing the leaps and bounds that Dr. Eid and his team are going to create. So thank you again for being here with us, Antoine, and looking forward you, to Jennifer. your developments. Thank you, Jennifer, for everything, for what you're doing and the impact you're leaving on this world. You too, my friend. And also deep gratitude and thanks to Mark again, who brought us together and to all of the lives that he has touched through you, through I, and through our work and the mentoring of the thousands, if not millions of lives that he touched. May every one of us live a life like Mark. May we go out, may we cultivate deep, meaningful human connections so that when we have our time to transition on, someone says, thank you for the impact you made on my life. Yeah. May we all be that lucky. Thank you. Thanks, Jennifer.